Welcome to Exceptionally Unordinary, the podcast, where our goal is to encourage, educate, and empower parents who are raising exceptional children. Join me as we dive into the real and raw of living an unordinary life. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Exceptionally Unordinary, the podcast, episode number six. My name is Gina. I am your host, and today's topic is going to cover the importance of socialization, self-care, and support. Now, if you are the parent of a child with exceptional needs, I'm going to go ahead and guess that your self-care habits are probably not the best. That's okay. You can make a change. And it is important for you to realize that in order to care for other people, you really do have to take care of yourself first. I kind of fell into this trap of ignoring my needs probably at least two kids ago, maybe three. I can't even remember. But um, I used to avidly work out. I used to read a lot. I used to make time to go out with my girlfriends, go out on dates with my husband, just take some time to get away and refuel the tank. Over the past few years, however, I got away from that. It became hard to find a sitter. I became quite depressed and anxious. I was constantly trying to figure out how we could make the quality of our life at home as a family better And it was completely counterproductive because the less I took care of myself, the unhappier and more frustrated and more depressed I became. So it was kind of a really bad, vicious cycle I had gotten myself into. About three months ago, I decided that I needed to make a change. And I really started focusing in on my own self-care It started with walking and some yoga, and I started watching what I was eating, and I started reading more and making time to go out with my girlfriends, with my husband, and to invite others over to our home so that we could kind of kill two birds with one stone by socializing with parents while our kids played. I have noticed a significant difference in my mental health and my emotional and physical health since I have put self-care at the forefront of my to-do list. So what does that look like when you're a mom of four with kids with exceptional needs that you're home with all day and you homeschool? Well, it takes a little bit of discipline and a whole lot of work. Not bad work, but work. So what I do is make sure that I spend some time exercising at least three to four times a week. I love to say that every day I carve out 30 minutes to an hour to run, walk, do yoga, or whatever. But the reality is some days it just doesn't work. But as long as I am getting my program in, you know, at a minimum two times a week, I'm pretty happy with that. So I have opted to get back into a yoga routine, and while that seems like it wouldn't be like this big calorie burner, it really is because it's a cardio yoga DVD from way back when, but what I'm finding is that 
I get that 30 minutes to just kind of relax and stretch my body out and clear my mind. And my kids have been respectful enough to give me that space. Once I made it a routine, I could say, hey, this is mom's yoga time. I need you guys to go off and do whatever for 30 minutes. And they have been really good about doing that. So over a period of time, my body has begun to kind of slim down and my muscles have returned and my flexibility has returned and my energy has returned and I just feel a whole lot better about myself. So I think one of the hardest parts of raising children with exceptional needs is the emotional toll it takes on you and I know that I had been in a dark place for a few years But now that I have started this workout routine, while it's very basic, my body is changing. And with that changing body, I feel better about my appearance. Well, if I feel better about my appearance, then my overall mood is probably much happier than it was when I was really irritated that I had to continue to go buy a bigger size of clothes because my clothes didn't fit anymore. So it's just this very small intentional change that I have made and it is something that I have been very diligent about doing each and every week and it has just become a habit. So I cannot stress to you enough the importance of making that time in your day to get some exercise. It doesn't have to be every day. If that doesn't work with your schedule, that's fine. But carve out some time, three or four days a week, and go out and get some exercise. Clear your head. Listen to music you love. Be proud of yourself and take pride in the effort that you're making to do something good for yourself. We often feel like we have to take care of everybody else first. And when we do that, we completely, completely deplete our fuel tank. Mine was running on empty for a long, long time. In addition to working out, I have started to eat better. It took me three or four times going to my local family doctor and complaining about my weight before I finally took her advice to heart. I am no longer a 20-something or young 30-something where if I just continue to eat as I was and do what minimal activity I was doing, my weight would just stay stagnant. Well, I quickly learned that that was not the case anymore. I'm pretty sure that 35 put the kibosh on that, and ever since then, I can like look at food and gain weight. It's terribly annoying. So my doctor had recommended on countless occasions that I change my diet. I don't have to go on a diet. I just have to be conscious of what I'm eating. So after a whole lot of apprehension and a whole lot of just dragging my feet and watching the scale go up, I opted to finally pay attention to what I'm eating. In turn, my body has lost weight. Wow, she was so smart. (laughs) So what I have been doing is reducing my carb intake. Not crazy. I think she recommended 60 to 80 grams of carbs per day. 
And that's what I've been sticking to. I have cut way back on my sweets. I have not been drinking alcohol during the week. And with that has come many positive changes, which have then inspired me to continue with this trend because I feel better. And here is the really telltale sign to me that this is making a difference. So I used to be um, the person who would have maybe a beer while I was cooking dinner. The days were long. They were always crazy. I just wanted to have a beer and make dinner. Well, I would do that pretty much every night, or maybe I'd have a couple beers. Well, as time goes on, that just becomes habit, and I think of all those extra calories and carbs I'm consuming, and I make the decision that I will only drink alcohol on Friday and Saturday and possibly Sunday. Like, those are my free days. If I want to have a beverage or however many beverages I choose to have, those are my safe days. They're my free days. So as time has gone on, I'm very good during the week. I watch what I eat. I don't eat sweets. I don't drink alcohol. And then the weekend comes and I give myself that free pass to just, you know, let go and have fun. Well, that first day after doing that, I feel awful. Not hungover, not not like I physically made myself sick from drinking or eating, but my body just feels blah. So I am realizing the effect that my diet and my lifestyle choices have on the way my body feels. So I am very conscientious of my decisions these days. So it has helped me realize that my body is my vessel and what I put in my body will pretty much drive how I feel physically, how foggy my brain is, how tired I am. If I behave myself and I partake in healthy food choices and not drinking alcohol and you know, loading up on the water, I feel so much better. So my weeks have gotten to the point where I have been able to be much more productive than I was prior to this lifestyle change. So if you are a parent and you are struggling through your days and you are finding you are incredibly stressed and maybe you're a stress eater or maybe you are the person that has that alcoholic beverage with your dinner or after the kids go to bed to unwind, you might really want to consider making a change. I'm not here to preach to you by any means. I'm just here to share with you that from my experience, these have made positive changes in my life, and I would like to pass them on to you. So self-care comes in the form of exercise, taking care of our body by eating and making sure we're putting good things in our body and not constantly putting bad things in there. And it also comes with engaging in activities you enjoy. My husband has been giving me the hardest time lately about all of the reading that I've been doing. But for me, reading is probably my favorite hobby. I love reading, and I have enjoyed reading since I was a young kid. I choose to spend my hour of power, I call it, thank you Jack Canfield, reading books that provide me with inspiration and motivation. So my typical morning includes 
about an hour of reading some sort of nonfiction book that makes me think and consider where my priorities lie and motivates me to do better. And I really enjoy starting my day that way because it's positive. I do not like to start my day listening to the news anymore because it's too much to listen to. I don't like to scroll through social media right away. I don't like to pop out of bed and immediately be on mom duty at 6 a.m. So I choose to stay in bed and I choose to have whatever book I'm reading right next to my bed on my nightstand so that I can reach for it in the morning and get my day started off on the right foot. Since I have started doing that, I have plowed through some amazing books and I would like to share a few of those with you today. One of them is called What School Could Be. I feel like every teacher, administrator, and parent should read this book. It's so eye-opening and it's one that really makes us reconsider what our priorities are in the education system. I've also read Raising World Changers in a Changing World by Kristen Welch, one of my favorite authors, and that book was probably my favorite. She has three, and I enjoyed that one so much, and it gave me some motivation and inspiration into planning for our upcoming school year and how I can get my kids out into the real world and focus on connecting and helping other people. Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis was also a fantastic book, as was Everybody Always by Bob Goff. I love reading all of these different types of books to kind of pull me out of my little shell. I spend a lot of time at home, um, and it makes me think about possibilities for the future, and it helps me to determine what I should be doing for myself and it helps me realize that there is so much out there to see that I need to get my family out there and out of their little white suburbia so that they can fully see and understand that there is so much more to the world than just our little bubble. So those have been my top three priorities for self-care at home. Exercise, eating well, and engaging in a hobby that I really enjoy, reading. But did you know that socialization is a part of self-care? Socialization can be hard when you're raising littles. It's hard to get a sitter. It's hard to have the money to pay the sitter. It's hard to find the time, especially if your husband or you work long hours. It's, there are a lot of obstacles that can get in your way. But as with most things, if you're intentional about them, you can make them happen. I am fortunate to have a few really great girlfriends that I enjoy going out with. And we, we never really know what we're going to do until we do it. And some of those nights are the funnest times I can remember in a long time. I'm all for like random fun. So your priority should be, guys or gals, schedule time with your friends um, that just needs to be a part of your routine because there is nothing that empties that tank faster than isolation. 
So I remember way back when, when I was a new mom and I was at home with this little human being that I absolutely loved and adored, but there was no interaction socially for me. I, my husband worked long hours. He traveled. We did not um, have a very large social circle at that time because we had moved to our home not too much before I got pregnant, and we just hadn't made very many friends at that point. So I can recall sitting back in those early days, and as the days went on, I felt so isolated. So I hopped on meetup.com and searched for mom's groups in my area, and I found one and packed my baby up, and we went. And I think that that step was so pivotal in my mom journey because it made me realize how important it was to have that support from people who were going through a similar stage of life. So I was fortunate to be part of a group that we all were first-time moms and we all had just had babies. So we were all kind of in the trenches together and we were all a little lost and wondering what was going on with our bodies, with our lives, with our emotions. We were all over the place. But those two days a week that we met was really a great reprieve. We had the opportunity to talk about those things and I got to know a lot of really great people. And as time went on and we had more babies, we became each other's support. Some of those wonderful ladies would watch one of my kids while I had to take somebody to the doctor. Or when we had a baby, we would start mommy meals. And there were times where I didn't have to cook a meal for my family for a month because every other day, someone would be coming to the door with a meal. It was amazing. But those are the kind of opportunities you have to take advantage of. You can't sit around and wait for people to come to you, you have to get creative and find those people. Finding that group and developing those relationships was a very important time period in my life. I would have been lost without them. Soon my son was in preschool and that opened up a whole other set of doors to meet new people. And I hit it off with a few moms who had girls who went to school with my son. It just seemed that our social circle was revolving around the stages we were going through with our son and our other kids. And it sounds silly, but I think that that's true for many people because these are the everyday experiences you are going through with your family. And if you're lucky, you will find some good friends. So, you know, it was mom's groups, and then it was preschool, and then we had a church mom's group, and so we became friends with some of those people. It's all about finding people you can connect with in the current stage of life that you're at, and it's so important to be able to find people who can accept you who you are. They can accept the two-day-old clothes and the unwashed hair and the messy house, They meet you where you are, they accept you for who you are, and they will often turn out to be some of the most treasured friendships you'll ever have. Friendships can be tricky when you're raising children with exceptional needs. Our lives typically are a little bit different than the average family. We have learned to navigate the muddy waters of meltdowns, overstimulated children, and sensory processing issues. But that doesn't mean that everyone we hang out with can handle that. 
So finding people who can accept our family as is can be a challenge, but it can be done. And when you find those families that can do that for you, it is really a gift not only for the adults, but for the children too. To ensure that we all have socialization time, we often invite people over to our house because I worry much less about what goes down in my house than in somebody else's. So if you have a child or children who have a tendency to struggle when they're in social situations, just invite people to come to you. Your house doesn't have to be perfect. Your food doesn't have to be perfect. It's just the act of inviting someone over and socializing and engaging with them that truly matters. When you are the parents of a child with exceptional needs, vulnerability is the name of the game. So you're not ever going to find those people to connect with if you're too afraid to put yourself out there. I encourage you all to set your family's difficulties aside. Let's be real. Every family has challenges. Put it aside, if there's someone you've really been curious about learning more about or connecting with, invite them over. You really have nothing to lose. It either goes well or you've made an attempt at connecting with that person and realized that it's just not for you right now. It is not uncommon for families who have children with special needs to feel alone. That is why it is so important to try to find people that you can connect with, and one of the great places to find those people are local support groups. If your child has autism or ADHD or they have a learning disability, there's a lot of different groups out there that host events. Go to one. You never know who you might meet, and then a friendship might develop from there. On my vision board, one of my dreams is to put together a parent summit and My goal for that is to gather parents who are raising children with special needs so that they can talk with each other. They can listen to stories from other people. They can be encouraged. They can learn. And they can leave there feeling empowered and hopefully connecting with at least one person that they can continue to engage with outside of the conference. I've hosted meetings on a smaller scale, and it's been amazing to watch people realize that they, in fact, are not alone on this journey, that they're not the only ones who experience the challenges of raising a child with exceptional needs, whether it be the social challenges, the challenges with school, or the difficulty in finding service providers that can help meet your child's needs. Everybody craves connection, and no one wants to feel alone. And that's a big reason why I look forward to putting together these events so parents don't feel so isolated anymore. There are people out there for you. There are people out there who understand your life, and I can assure you that they will be so thankful that they have met you as well. We just have to put ourselves out there and hope for the best. So I've saved this for last, but there's one other person that you need to make sure that you're connecting with as well, and that's your spouse. And I know how challenging that can be. There are a lot of obstacles that stand in the way of one-on-one time with your spouse. The babysitter. That is the biggest one in our house. It's very hard to find someone who can watch all of our kids. Well, we have had to adapt. Now we put the kids to bed. Our oldest watches the other kids. They're sleeping, and we go out not far from our house, and enjoy a meal together and just talk. I'm sure that you all feel overwhelmed in your life, and I can assure you that your spouse does as well. 
So in order to combat those feelings of isolation and being overwhelmed, you really do have to connect. And it's not always going to be something fancy. It's not always going to be something that's well thought out and planned ahead. For us, having one-on-one time together is very, very rare. But when we do, we have to make the best of it. And if you can't get away, then do a date night at home. Put your kids to bed early, have them fed, and make yourselves a nice dinner. Sit down at the table and have a conversation. It's always really a great thing, too, when you can go out with another couple or multiple couples. We all have to have time away from our family. So one way or another, you need to make it work. If your children are hard to handle when they're awake, put them to bed. Leave a babysitter in charge of your sleeping kids and go out. It really will make such a huge difference in your life. I know that once I'm out of my house, I tend to relax and just have fun. We all need to have fun. We all need to be able to leave the stresses of everyday life behind and just go out and enjoy life. So if that's not something that's been on your priority list, I encourage you to do that. Go out on a date with your spouse. Go out with some friends. You will not regret it. Well, you might regret it the next day when you haven't had enough sleep. But that night, I promise you, you will not regret it. That is a lesson that I wish I would have learned a long time ago. We can't always be at home. We can't always be in control. We can't always be on. We have to have a social life. We are meant to connect with other people. That includes people outside of the little human beings we have created. So get out there, find some people to hang out with, and go have some fun. It will make such a difference in your life, and you will probably try to find ways to get out of the house more often. These days, I'm having a really hard time being content chilling at home on a Friday night. Once Friday rolls around, and especially come the afternoon, my mind starts churning on what can we possibly do tonight that is something that is not parenting. I love my kids, but I spend every single day with them. There is absolutely no reason why I should not be making it a priority to get out of my house on the weekend, or even a weeknight. Self-care, socialization, and support. The three S's that will help make your life so much better. These are all lessons that I've had to learn the hard way, but as with most life lessons, they were worth learning. So I encourage you this week to find some time to take care of yourself, to find some time to engage in hobbies you enjoy, to find some time to go out with your spouse or a friend, and to look around and find what supports are available to you in your area. There's no need to feel guilty when you engage in doing something for yourself. There's no need to feel guilty when you get out of your house and go have some fun. If you want to have a nice, high quality of life, you have to keep your tank full. Trust me, take it from someone who ran on empty for a long, long time. It is not good for anybody involved. A happy mom or a happy dad leads to a happy family. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Exceptionally Unordinary. I hope you guys have a great week and I'll be talking to you soon.